Imagine, there are these four immortal creatures in heaven. They never sleep, never rest, and although they themselves are holy, they never cease in declaring that the Lord God Almighty is holy, holy, holy. Thanks for joining the Calvary Chapel podcast today. We're taking a break from our study in Leviticus so that Pastor Jim can bring an encouraging message and a call for believers to remain steadfast. Because no matter the world's distractions, God is still on the throne. Here's Jim with today's message, Let's Focus. I titled this message, Let's Focus. You know, we're not going to be in Leviticus this morning uh, in text only. We certainly will be in spirit as we look at the holiness of God. And next Sunday, Pastor Brian will be in Leviticus 23. And I want to encourage you to read ahead, get into Leviticus 23, a very powerful chapter uh, with the feast of Israel. Um, But we're, you know, the holiness of God, that's what we're learning in Leviticus. God delivered his people Israel and he sanctified them, and he's teaching them in Leviticus how to uh, worship and how they were to come to him corporately and also how to live. And in the same way, God has called us out of our Egypt, called us out of the world, and brought us into his marvelous light. And as we have been sanctified, we also learn the ways of God and learn how to worship him. And that's an That's forever, right? Until we go home to be with the Lord. We are always learning how to please God in our worship of him and to live for him. My mindset with all of this this morning comes on under the umbrella of these two things. Number one, the assembly of believers and our worship of God. And then two, our worship of God as a lifestyle. And obviously, they go hand in hand. Um, So we are going to be in Revelation 4. But before we get there, how about we turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10. Or look at the screen. Um, Praise the Lord for the screen. Uh, I have a lot of scriptures. The first service, we didn't have anybody to do the screen, and we were flipping. We were flipping. I remember years ago, Pastor Ed saying, the best noise in church is the flipping of the Bible pages. Amen? So, But we have a screen now, and I'm sure he would have a few words for us on the screen. But anyway, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I have used this, these few verses here to remind brothers and sisters in the Lord, you need to get to church, right? I'm sure you have as well. But there's so much that the Lord says right there in these few verses. And it reminds me that as the body of Christ, we are an assembly of believers. i got a confession to make, and I use it, but that word service, church service, what does that mean? I like the word assembly. 
because that's what we are doing. We are assembling in the Lord as we have the, the Holy Spirit living in us. We assemble for one purpose, to worship God. And as we see in these scriptures there uh, in Hebrews 10, we assemble together to be encouraging or to exhort one another, to be built up in the faith. And again, how many of us today need build up in the faith? How many of us need to build up in life? And we do that by coming together and honoring the Lord. And we also see there, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, what day is that? There is a day coming that we will be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That day is coming when he is coming for his church. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, you don't have to put it up there, but Paul talked about gathering. Another word for assembly is gathering. We're going to gather in eternity in heaven. But right now we're on earth and we're in assembly. We are together to worship our God. We have been called out of this world for this primary purpose, to worship the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we, we are a people who need to build, be built up this morning, to be encouraged in the spirit, to be reminded of your goodness, Lord. So we're asking for your spirit to speak to each one of our hearts, Lord. Speak so clearly through your word that we would know the one who's on that throne. The one who's still on the throne. And the one who will always be on the throne. Despite anything this world could try and attempt to remove you, Lord. So, Father, by the power of your spirit and through your word, would you encourage us, build us up? May we continue to worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Revelation 4, beginning in verse 1, we have the Apostle John uh, being called up into heaven. If we read Revelation 4, 1 together. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said... Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Now, you could probably get 40 sermons in that one verse. Um, I'll try not to get into the weeds. I pray, Lord, don't let me get into the weeds this morning. We just want to be encouraged and, and see, what, see worship. And so as we look at this passage in Revelation 4, there's a lot of detailed things, and I want to encourage you to get into the Word and look at these things, but our focus is the action that is going to be taking place. The action that is taking place, I should say, that will always be taking place in heaven with God the Father on the throne. But we see here in verse 1, after these things, and um, so important, as you know, to have the context of the Scripture, any place where we are reading and studying the Word. But how important it is even more with the book of Revelation. And Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, after these things, and that's referring to the first three chapters. If we look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, it helps us so much to break down the book of Revelation, where Jesus told John, write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. 
So in Revelation chapter 1, we have the things which you have seen. Jesus was showing him himself. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. And Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we have the seven letters to the different churches. We know those were churches that existed at that time. We also see that it's a snapshot of church history throughout all the church age. And then we come to chapter 4, where John is called up in to heaven. Again, context so important. Because if I just pick up the Bible, or if you just pick up the Bible, and you read Revelation chapter 4, you're probably going to feel pretty good. You might feel good. But when we have the context, we get the substance. And when we have the substance of Revelation chapter 4, we are encouraged in the truth. Worship isn't just about feelings. I feel different from day to day. Wednesday morning, I didn't feel so good until I got into the Word and God promised me that His plans never change. No matter who's president, no matter who, what, when, or whatever, God is still on the throne. And His purposes and plans for this universe is still in play. There's no voting that's going to take Him off the throne. Amen? And so we can take courage and be encouraged in that. So, but we have John here being um, invited up to heaven. And of course, we believe this to be a picture of the rapture of the church where Jesus comes back for his bride, as we know. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, you remember that scripture, verse 16 through 18, where uh, the church, Paul taught the church of Thessalonica that the church would be raptured, snatched out of uh, this world, and meet Jesus in the air. And then in verse 18, it says, comfort one another with these words. So this is a picture of the rapture of the church. And it's emphasized the church. Understand the church the assembly of believers. Not a building, not a denomination, not an organization. It's the church. And it's also interesting that this is the last time, or letters to the church, as we go into Revelation 4, the church is no longer mentioned in the book of Revelation until Revelation 19, when we come back with Jesus as he's riding on the white horse. So that's one place where we believe this is a picture of the rapture of the church. But let's focus on the church for a moment. You know, the, the Greek word for church is ecclesia, which broken down means to, to call or to be called out. We are a people called out of the world. Yeah, Jim, we know that, but it plays right into this worship that we're going to see that John uh, gives to us. The church, those who have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, well, yeah, Jim, we know that, but please understand, you can go to church, any church. You might know people that go to church, but that doesn't make them a believer. Jesus said you must be born again. You must turn from your sin and turn to him. And then professing Jesus Christ as Lord. As the scriptures say, that if we confess with our mouth and sincerely believe in our heart, we shall be saved. And at that very moment, at the very moment 
upon that profession of Christ, having our sin cleansed, the Holy Spirit indwells in us. So when we meet together as the assembly of believers, we have the Holy Spirit, and as we come to worship, it is a powerful thing. Back in March, when, I don't know if you've heard about COVID-19 or not, um, but when the church, you know, when we had to shut down, it was a horrible thing. But the Lord showed me how we have taken for granted the assembly of believers. I'll never forget when it first happened, we had to shut down church, which is so foreign to us, right? I mean, this is part of our life. This is who we are. Ah, oh, we'll do the Facebook Live thing. It'll be good. And that first week, our views, I mean, it was, I don't know, seven, eight hundred, whatever it was. I thought the Lord was bringing revival. You know, I always believed that revival would come when the church was persecuted. That's what we see in China. It's what we see in Iran and the Middle East. When there's persecution, the church is stronger. I thought for sure the Lord was bringing revival. But as time went on, the next couple of weeks, it dwindled those views, right? And I started noticing that at our church in St. Mary's, people started to struggle. And the Lord showed me how much we take for granted the meeting of believers because we've made it about the church service where so much is production. Not to say those things are, are bad or what we do, I'm not. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we need to be focused. Let's focus. This, it's a powerful thing when the body of Christ comes together. We have been created to meet together to worship the Lord. Now, for those that can't make it, we, there's no condemnation. There are those that are that need to, by direction of the Lord himself, to play it safe and not be around people. No condemnation to those that can't make it. Point is, we need to be focused in our worship and meeting together and not take it for granted. And it's so easy to be distracted, isn't it? So easy to take for granted and not value our time together. Hey, I've been guilty. But you're a pastor. Yeah, I know. And that's hard when the Lord shows you you've taken it for granted. But he's good and he's faithful. And so the church, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, on what Paul talks about or said regarding the church. That one not on the list either? So we've been called out of the world and separated to God, becoming the body of Christ. At the rapture, the return of Jesus for his church, we will be out of this world. And there'll be another, as we'll see again in Revelation chapter 4, assembled in heaven, worshiping God. So let's look at verse 2 through 8. Immediately, I was in the spirit. And so again, Paul's, or Paul, John's having this vision. He's been called up to heaven. He's seeing these things. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne 
was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardia in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf. And the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Now, i got a confession to make, seeing how I shared it with the folks in the first service. When I was in Bible college, looking at Revelation 4, they wanted us to um, draw this out, this scene out. How do you do that? And for me, I struggled with drawing a stick man. And um, that was really difficult. I'll never forget getting my grades back and the instructor had a smiley face on it. Like, you, pat, you passed. Just your heart was in the right place, but wow. So to even share much on this. Uh, but can you imagine the wonderful scene that John sees here? And did you see the emphasis on all of this? And I encourage you, do your own study on the details. But emphasizing here, who is on the throne? There's a throne. And this is no other than God the Father who is on the throne here, and he's receiving worship. I tell you, the most used phrase I've heard this, this week, God is still on the throne. He is on the throne. He will never be off the throne. His plan continues. We have... Interesting, an assembly of created beings before the throne. The 24 elders, these are the redeemed of God, representing the church. This is you and I, those who have had their sins forgiven. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The seven spirits of God, referring to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The four living creatures, the cherubim from Ezekiel 1 and 10, those angelic beings, representatives of God. And then interesting, the song that we sang this morning, Revelation song, I'm sure you caught it. Singing to the one who is worthy, the lamb who was slain. That's in Revelation 5, the redemption song of believers. Interesting, in Revelation 4, it's God the Father on the throne. Revelation 5, the one who is worthy to, to open up the scroll, Jesus himself, worthy is the lamb who's the, who was slain. But heaven is a place of worship. And there 
is and always will be the assembly worshiping the Lord. Psalm 29, verse 1 and 2. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I'm convinced the Lord is quite able to speak to us during our worship time. Worship time devoted that time of the worship team leading us into his throne room. The Lord speaks during that time. The Lord meets us with us when our perspective is right. What do I mean by that? Well, when you look at the cherubim and what they were doing in verse 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. How do you define the Lord's holiness? Well, we can, we can make definitions or describe his holiness in words. But when you just ponder and chew on and meditate, the Lord's holiness. There's none like him. He's a cut above all. There's no rival to God. He alone is worthy to be worshipped. You know, there's a scene in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. That's very similar to this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Lord is holy. I read that scripture and I think, well, I want to be Isaiah. I want to see the Lord in such a way. There's only one way to see the Lord in the proper way, and that is holy, holy, holy. He is above all. He is also almighty. I like that one. I like that he's holy, holy, holy. I understand that I, I don't compare to him or nothing compares to God, but I don't think we'll fully understand, grasp the holiness of God until we are in his presence in heaven. But mind you, as we come together as an assembly of believers, holy, holy, holy is he. But almighty, his omnipotence, oh, the almighty God. He is almighty. He's all-powerful. It's interesting that thinking about what's going on in the world today and you think about, you know, when John received this was late first century, 90, 95, 80, somewhere around there. And at that particular time, there was great persecution going on against the church. In fact, the whole first century, right? After Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, persecution really began. 
And even before that, persecution against God's people. Persecution against God's people has always existed. But I think about Peter's epistles and the encouragement that he gave to the flock as Christians were being thrown to lions. And, you know, he reminded them that we are pilgrims. We're nothing more than sojourners here on earth. Life is nothing more than a blip. There's eternity waiting for us. There's going to be a day that this earth is going to be no more. And that doesn't or shouldn't cause fear to us because we're going to be in Revelation 4. We're going to be in the presence of God, in the presence of the Lamb. You know, one word I, I forgot to share um, that speaks of God's holiness. I don't know if it was Tozer or somebody came up with this word, otherness. There's nothing that compares to God. There's, he is otherness. He is awesome. I like sports, and when I see an awesome player or awesome play, I use the word awesome. And then sometimes I use the word awesome for God, but it doesn't, it's not the same, is it? God is totally above and beyond. He, he is holy, he is omnipotent, he, omnipotent and he is he, all-powerful, he's almighty, he's on the throne, he's in control, he's never changing. And he never changes. I love the fact that God never changes. He can't change or he wouldn't be God. You know, the humanists tell us that the world is always progressing. What are we progressing to? It's not good. <laughs> we know where we're progressing to. God's plan furthering. There's going to be a day when he comes for his church. There's going to be a day that we are in heaven experiencing the presence of God that we could never experience here on earth. That's the hope that we have. So as John has this scene, it continues, verse 9, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him, who sits on the throne, and we will worship him. I added we, and will worship him, who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. So here we have the 24 elders clothed in white robes and gold crowns. This is, again, the redeemed of God, the church. And they fall down here before the Lord God Almighty. Interesting, again, in Revelation chapter 5, if you look at verse 12, we see the, the worship of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Aren't those words that we used this morning as we worship the Lord? And it says, In every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, 
and the elders fell down and worshipped. We also see that the elders, or the 24 elders, the redeemed, they do something that might seem strange. They cast their crowns before the throne. I love that. I thought maybe perhaps we'd look at the crowns that are available to us as believers. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 25. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So this crown's awarded to those who have spiritual discipline. They stay the course and um, they exercise self-control. That's the imperishable crown. And then 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Who's waiting for Jesus to come? Oh, please, everybody, raise your hand. Come on. Who loves the fact that Jesus is coming? Oh, who can't wait for Jesus? Amen. Well, the crown of righteousness. And then what about Revelation chapter 2, verse 10? Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Christians all over the world are being persecuted and killed for their faith. And every one of them in Jesus will receive the crown of life. James 1.12 also talks about the crown of life, but let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Again, the joy that we have in the Lord, the crown of rejoicing. This certainly is linked to soul winning and, and um, general service to other believers. Then what about 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so we have these different crowns available to believers. As we see, out of outer adoration, out of worship of our God, we will cast them down at the throne, acknowledging him. He's the reason we got the crowns anyway. And so it's an act of worship that will be casting those crowns down. Now, I shared about the assembly of believers. Our worship time is so special as we come together. And my prayer is that we would value our time, not take for granted. And I want to encourage you, that we would pray for one another. That our Sunday mornings 
that God would help us to not be distracted and that we would value our time together, recognizing that we as an assembly filled with the Spirit of God come together, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, to lay our lives down and bow our hearts before God together. Join with me in praying for our worship time. Not worship service, our assembly together. Amen? It's so easy to be distracted. So easy to take for granted. But it's a sanctified time by God that we come together to worship Him. And as we look at these crowns then, worship is also our lifestyle. And in other words, and how we live our life is an act of worship or not act of worship. How we live our lives is really telling of what we really believe. Amen? Spurgeon said, There will be no crown wearers in heaven who are not cross bearers here below. So true, isn't it? And we look at verse 11 and it's really, Why do we exist? That's anybody. As believers, we understand the creation of us, man. We have been created to worship a holy, righteous God. He's revealed himself as an act of love. Because he is so loving, in a sense, he has to reveal himself, and he did at creation. And throughout time, he reveals himself. We've been created to worship. And as human beings, if we don't worship God, we will worship something else. Most likely, self, right? We put ourselves on that throne instead of having God on the throne. But in closing, I just want to think about a few things on worship as a lifestyle, worship as a whole. Worship really is three-dimensional. There's the upward mindset of worship. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29, kind of like what we've been talking about. Give to the Lord... The glory do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. It really is a mindset when we come to the place of worship. What are we intending to do? It's so easy to say, well, I went to church. You've probably all been there a time or two or even more. Went to church, I check it off the list. Or I went to Bible study. All those things. Religion, right? But if we have the mindset, I am going to worship the Lord because He is holy, that's going to change our heart. It's going to change our mind. It's going to change our focus. And we're going to value our time together. You know, there's a whole other mindset in valuing our time together. Who knows what down the road, what church will be like. If we make it about the building or that specific time that we come together in a religious sense, how in the world can the church... No, that's not right. How in the world? Strike that. Um, what would it, what's it say about the church then if it can't continue unless we meet in a building? Point being, who knows what the future holds? We may be underground. Probably will be at some point in time. That wouldn't be nothing new. You look at the first century church. They were more underground, house to house. Who knows what the Lord will lead us to do? 
but we have this upward call of worshiping, believers coming together to worship him. And again, it's so easy to be distracted. I just want to encourage you all, as a body together in one accord, let's pray for focus for our church. And then there's the inward dimension of worship, and this speaks of our personal holiness, our personal devotional time. The life that Christ desires for us to live, it can't be manufactured. It can be produced only by our relationship with Jesus. John 15, right? Where Jesus taught his disciples how to bear much fruit, that the branch must be connected to the vine. And so our personal holiness, our devotion time with the Lord, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 and 16. You know, I love 1 Peter chapter 1, so much going on there. He reminds the church that we are pilgrims. He reminds us of the living hope that we have rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ who caused us to be born again. Then he touches on the refiner's fire, right? How believers will suffer in this world that God will use suffering and trials and tribulations to refine us, that he gets the glory. And then he says this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. See, that's a headline for Leviticus right there. God shows his, his people in Leviticus how to be holy. He shows them how he is holy, holy, holy. And then this is how he desires for us to live, to be holy, because he has separated us from the world. He has separated us unto himself. And so there's this inward dimension of worship consisting of our holiness to God. And then what about outward worship in the sense of sharing our faith, taking those opportunities that God gives us to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, Paul said in Ephesians that we should redeem the time for the days are evil. And so we're to walk in the Spirit, to walk in wisdom, making the most of every opportunity to share the love of Jesus. You know, we were talking this morning, as we were talking about the discouragement of current events. <laughs> so clever at how I'm saying that, right? But you know, this can be the greatest time for the body of Christ, the church, to shine her light. God's not calling us to bunker down. He's calling us to worship by sharing the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. So we have this glorious scene in heaven, and we get a glimpse of it, what it's going to be like, far more glorious than we could ever imagine let's remember we don't start worshiping the Lord when we get to heaven we worship the Lord here on earth and again 
the assembly of believers coming together is a powerful thing. To be encouraged, to be built up, to re be reminded that the Lord is on the throne. Amen? Well, this morning, and I think it's fitting uh, for us to partake of communion, the Lord's Supper. You know, in that time when Jesus shared with his disciples, it was such an intimate time as he instituted the new covenant. And it can be an intimate time for you and I as we think of the hope that we have in Christ, when we think of worship, certainly as Jesus is there with his disciples, that certainly was worship. But it's such a wonderful time when we can be renewed in the Lord and to use these symbolic symbols. They're symbols of worship. When we take of the bread, reminding us of the body which was broken for you and I. Jesus went to that cross. His body was broken and beaten. And he endured the Roman scourging. And he would never want to not do that because of you. Jesus also shed his blood. He has made us righteous. But in shedding his blood over us, we are identified as his. There is nothing this world or the enemy can do to take that away of who we are in Christ because of his blood. His blood covers it all. So this morning, as we partake of communion together, we just take a a minute or so here and just reflect. And I want to encourage you that this would be a time of renewal, saying, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. I want to renew my life to you. And he's so faithful to his word. As you call out to him, he will do it. Let's pray. Holy Father, as we just humbly submit ourselves to you now, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are on that throne. And we thank you for the lamb that you sent to pay a price that we couldn't pay, a debt that we owe that we couldn't pay. Because of your great love that you have for us, you provided the lamb of God taking away the sins of the world. And we pray this morning, Lord, as we partake of the elements, reminded that, Jesus, you are the bread of life. You gave yourself up that we might have life abundantly. That's not dependent on any circumstance of the world or what trial we might go through. It's based on fact, rooted in the cross of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the cup, the cup of redemption through the bloodshed of your son, Jesus. Lord, may your spirit just work in our hearts now. Bring that renewal that we might need, Lord. You are faithful.
Amen. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread and, and gave a blessing. And after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Would you stand with me as the worship team comes and we'll have one more song right in accordance with the scriptures there, right? They came together after taking the elements and they worshiped. Father, I thank you for the body of Christ here at Calvary Chapel, Cincinnati. We just pray your blessing upon them, Lord. And Father, as we gather, assemble one more time for a closing song, Lord. May you be glorified in honor. And may you bless your people this week. Give them the strength and wisdom they need to endure, persevere. But Lord, may the joy of their salvation reign true in their heart and be a light to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this sermon or about following Christ, you can contact us at cccincinnati.org. And please, Join us next time as we resume our study in Leviticus. Oh.